Ready, aim, release! Right, we are back. We are back for another glorious week. Um, Carlo's back, uh, and this week he's feeling blue, apparently. Ever so slightly. Black, you back? Yeah, I wasn't like... away last week, was I? No, you weren't away, but you were back for me, because I, I, I missed you on Friday, right? So for me, it's back. For these guys, they don't even know that you were gone. It's like, it's magic. The power of the internet, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't even know when someone's missing. Um, but yeah, you know, you've uh, you've been gone, right? And more importantly, right, you were gone for the big thing that we're going to talk about today, which is there was a Lannister unit that got revealed, Carlo, your favourite people in the world, and mm-hmm. you didn't get to partake in all those glorious initial discussions. But I'm sure you're going to shed some glorious light on this amazing unit that's mm-hmm. coming out and, and really change the community's mm-hmm. mind with your fantastic insight. Uh yeah, yeah. Where would we be? Where would we be without those hot takes? Exactly. Um, so you know, you, we in, did miss out on that. So <laughs> I, I, I did actually. Somebody did tell me their abilities. I don't know, maybe like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I took it with a huge grain of salt because you know, like these these leaks have been so entirely wrong before. But uh, they were one hundred percent right. And at that time, I read them and thought, well. I hope that's wrong. Yes. We are, of course, uh, if anyone doesn't know, talking about the uh, Cassie Rock Honor Guard. Um, uh, yeah. They are... Um, well, let, let's... For the, for the purposes of the recording mm. for the podcast, right? They are a four movement. Uh, three plus seven, six, five profile in melee. Um with three armor, five morale, nothing that bad there if anyone's played Queen's Men. These are basically equivalent. Um, and then it comes with one ability attached to their melee profile, Lannister Oppression. Before rolling attack dice, you may expend condition tokens on the defender. So you're spending them on the defender to gain the following. Panicked. Until the end of the turn, defender loses any abilities and may not be the target friendly tactics cards. Vulnerable. Attack may re-roll any attack dice. After completing this attack, restore two wounds for each of the defender's destroyed ranks by this attack. And weakened attack rolls highest attack die and gains sundering. Um, I mean... Can I just ask for a start? Um, oh, by the way. Somebody has this box, right? Yes, yeah, people have this box. Yeah, they've, they've been released, I believe, in Polish now um and they are now being i believe started to move around from the singapore russia regions uh physically yeah as usual yep i I mean we haven't actually said the points cost of this unit yet uh do you think that's a fundamental part of the unit um it's a five right it's a five ah no i mean surely for the five plus morale three plus army you probably give them like six points right yeah, I suppose they're slightly yeah. better than Lannister Guards. Yeah, no, no, this is an eight-point unit. Um, <laughs> I... I do think 
that there is some discussion to be had, you know, which will go down around the design space, around the abilities and things like that that we'll get to. But I'm just going to straight up say this. If you put Knights of... Uh, Castle Rock Honor Guard, sorry, and Golden Company Crossbow in front of me, I would pick Golden Company Crossbowman 100% of the time. And I think Golden Company Crossbowmen are fucking trash. <laughs> I, d I don't. I don't know if I go with Crossbowmen one hundred percent of the time. I mean, they're, they're, if you were to manufacture these ridiculous situations and be like, "Yes, Cassie Rock Odegaard would be great there," I'd be like, "Sure," but like, how often does that actually turn up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It's. It's a solid profile, you know. Like so, the thing is, the thing is, is that I, I, I reckon personally, I think that Lannister oppression is nearly worthless. Like they're not improvements on the token ability. Yes, I, I do. <laughs> The only one that I'm willing to accept as an improvement is the weakened token. Um, the weakened token, which, you know, Lannister's put out a lot of weakened with the likes of Pycelle, and it is a, it's a way of flipping that weakened token to rather than a defensive, like, I'm going to save some wounds, to being, I'm now going to hopefully deal more. Um, especially if the unit's weakened, I, I do think, like, as in, like, uh, not on full ranks, I do think that that has value. Mm. But, it, I mean, but that's stretching it, right? Nice attack die isn't even like they don't even have a roll off in their profile, so that's like plus two dice yeah. at very best and sundering. And you'd pay that. You'd you play a card for that, right? You play plus two dice and sundering. The problem is, yeah, but you wouldn't have to spend a weekend, and yeah. and you wouldn't even consider it to be a good card. It, um, it, yeah, if it's if it's if that's the best scenario, and it can it said you can only play this if you've got five dice. You know what I mean? I I think that. I think that this is how crazy I think it is. I think this that this unit would be balanced if you gained those abilities and you didn't spend the tokens. I don't even think I'd pay eight for that unit though. I mean, like you could work with it at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe the tokens are effectively worth about one and a half wounds a piece. Yep. Really, vulnerables can normally be used to push through oh, another two wounds. Panic consider it more like one and a half you can normally turn you can often turn a past into a fail which is going to be like two extra wounds basically um you can turn a one into a three or a one into a two by just re-rolling the d3 when it was already going to fail now there are some times where you'll get them to re-roll everything and you know it won't come off but the panic token is probably worth one and a half two wounds the vulnerable is worth one and a half two wounds the better your attack the the, the better their saves, you know, the more the vulnerable's worth. Mm -hmm. But the weakens hard. It, the weaken can really stop spike damage. Depends how good your defense is. But again, I would say it saves you about two wounds a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so these abilities have to be significantly better than two wounds, and they're not. They're 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 similar to two wounds. And they have no other redeeming features. Their profile is just 
solidly okay at about six points. Mm -hmm. I would probably buy a unit. I think I would buy maybe. It's not even a, a definite yes. I would probably buy a unit with those stats for six points and no abilities. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, a four... I'm trying to think of a four defense unit... A four movement speed unit at six. You're looking at uh, start sworn shields are probably the closest comparison. There are three plus armor six morale um and then have a four plus seven five four uh off the top of my head um but they also come with the shield wall ability and stubborn tenacity which stubborn tenacity at six plus you can equate to saying losing losing shield wall and stubborn tenacity to get a three plus and a plus one morale uh, is arguably fair right arguably it might be that one of them slightly costed higher or lower but like they must be roughly equivalent um within half a point so yes for six points for the pure raw numbers on the profile it would be fine uh richard says blackguard for six you come with horrific visage yeah, I mean, and vicious though there's basically no unit in the whole game that doesn't have an ability is um there's actually not a single unit in the whole game that doesn't have a have an ability or a keyword. No, there's not a single unit in the game that doesn't have at least yeah. one. Uh, yeah. The old, the the best example of one that did or was close to it was old uh, Sentinels before they got the Sentinel keyword, derp, and mm -hmm. they just had Sundering. They were the only unit yeah, in the game with points. one line. Yeah, and they were considered pretty trash. Yeah, at that. Um, it's it's hard to, hard to compare old stuff and new stuff, but anyway, I would say that their profile is worth about six, and I genuinely would not pay one point for Lannister oppression. So that's where we really fall apart for me, which is a that is a utility ability. You know, some people are saying, well, you know. Sometimes these tokens can be worthless on a certain unit. Yeah, vulnerable might not be great on somebody that has a six of armor save. You can use it now to turn it into healing or something like that. But that's like a side grade option. That's a utility use, not just my ability is better than vulnerables. So if I get a vulnerable, I turn it into this. So also, nah, I'm just, I'm just very, very, very disappointed. Also, like in the nicest possible sense, like. Depends what you're trying to achieve. In that, like a six plus armor, and Carlo, you know this from having played it and worked with it and playing against it. Put it as a six plus save, and they go on to be like, right, I only need to make one, and I survived this attack. They make one, and you go, well, fuck you now, because that's it. the 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 objective of that attack was to kill me, and you failed mm -hmm. to kill me now. Um, and that happens, I mean, I've seen you do that with Night's Watch, like a Night's Watch catapult, right? I've seen you do that with, with other stuff as well. Poor fellows, I've done it myself with my free folk a lot. Um, and setting up that vulnerable to get that reroll is actually quite important because it makes the odds of people not dying uh, worse. And, and sometimes that's the objective. Um, the other one I've seen a lot. And I do actually have a question for you, Carlo, because this is actually, uh, this is important for two reasons. But the panic token... Until the end of the turn, Defender loses any abilities, right? It uses the term any abilities. Not all. Right. 
it uses the term any and not all, right? Does this mean that as the Lannister player, you have an element of choice to what is lost? I'm not sure what abilities you wouldn't want them opponent to lose. Disorganized um, from free folk raiders and conscripts. Yeah, okay. That's the only one off the top of my head, but you specifically would never want to remove that because it is actually a direct increase in your damage if they fail that panic test. Um Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, there are there are, yeah. That's but I don't know what you wouldn't want to turn off. Um I would uh no, I, I I think that's just classic sloppy Simon wording. I don't think that that is the intent there. Um, the reason I say that... <laughs> it, it does not imply any... It, I'm just rereading it here. It does not imply any element of choice. It does yeah. not imply that the attacker chooses. Uh, it says any. Any is another... Uh, a, a weaker English term for all. Mm -hmm. Any and all have, have have interchangeable kind of meaning here, but again, that's just sloppier rules writing, where all has a distinct, definite meaning, that it's all of them, whereas any has a maybe connotation around the all aspect. Yeah. So the reason I... The reason people, you know... Because this, when this first got revealed, people were like, oh, we can spend the P uh, token. I was like, okay, what abilities are Lannisters looking to remove that you otherwise were having struggle with? Now, obviously, Hardened is a big one. Um, it does allow some playthrough Hardened, but there's already better playthrough Hardened. Doing melee attacks is not the answer to Hardened. Strangely mm -hmm. enough, you know what is good against Hardened? Failing panic tests. You know what makes people fail panic tests more? Panic tokens. <laughs> like it's it's fundamentally this I like like you were saying, you probably wouldn't pay a point for this. I actually think like I, I completely agree by the way. I think the ability is fundamentally flawed in so many ways because it also and talk about design space today, it plays around and plays away from the Lannister design space. If you could, if it was a weakened token that you could spend to remove abilities and not target, that would suddenly raise the value of this ability massively, because it wouldn't mm. compromise your ability to do damage. Um, I do, I do think that panic is the panic is probably the best. Yes, yes. The removal of all abilities can be the most important. Yes, but. You're only removing defensive abilities because you're only doing it on your own turn for the attack. Now, if this was for the round, we'd be talking a totally different ball game, but we're not. As always, we're talking about very short-term removal of abilities here. Um, and, and, and there aren't that many abilities that we want to get round. There is Hardened, there is Iron Resolve. Is um, they say Iron Makers? The plus two armor from Iron Makers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forget what that one's called. There's, there's Stalwart. There's, there's a few other things. And you can deny some pretty important cards. Uh, you can probably deny, you can deny Dauntless. You can deny, you can, you can deny basically units that are focused around kind of a chain of results around a 
morale for pa- passes normally. Mm. So it pushes you into like having a guaranteed effect that they won't trigger stuff off of off of a past morale. But you lose the chance to fall to like risk failure anyway because you're you're getting rid of that token or you're really reducing your chance that you get that failure. Um yeah, I mean like basically you can think of the worst case cards that it saves, watch on the wall, things like that. Um but overall, I just you know, like uh, I still think that that is its her most corner case advantage. That's his best thing is when you're turning off a whole load of stuff. Yeah, Swift Retreat is probably one of the a really uh, important one there. But we're picking and choosing the odd unit that this eight point unit now has not a terrible matchup into because in a specific situation i can turn your abilities off hey more than that points are better and i can only turn your abilities off some of the time but when you have your abilities you're way 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 better than me and and you know what The, the icing on the cake for me is all of that while not palatable all of that at least has some level of i can see why you would use it but then you put it on a four movement infantry unit and you're like no no there's no way in hell this ever gets to actually use its abilities for something that is going to be game defining or game winning like if 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 a Greyjoy player is playing What Is Dead May Never Die to save a unit from getting killed by Cassie Rock on a guard, and you're like, haha, I spent that panic token to stop you doing it, then I say, how the fuck did that Greyjoy player allow the game to get this far? <laughs> like, in what situation has this led to? Yeah, I agree uh, with Endline. Um, movement five. Yep. Two plus armor save, or answer uh, supremacy, or. Yep would have been things that would bring this unit into the bad tier. Yeah. I I immediately thought that one of the, I think the only, potentially the only way of playing this unit would be with uh, Kevin Lannister Mm -hmm. and his commander, because you can just march eight forward and then go, right, I'm going to take a risk on a crown's charge just because it's movement forward. I've got Lannister Supremacy. I come with PM. And Predictable Maneuvers, as we know, is one of the best cards in the game. And it's like, I'm going to get use out of these guys because I have so many control cards that I can essentially get use out of anything. Um, I have the... Uh, the uh, I forgot the card. No, uh, the, something or whatever. I can't remember what it's called. The card that now puts out um, Vulnerable and Panicked on a unit. Uh, uh, seeing their flaws. I seeing think. their flaws. Physical. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty good, you know, with this. And and then I remembered after all of that, right? You know what the best thing about Castle Rock Honor Guard is switching off abilities and tactics cards, right? What's the cool thing if you attack a unit that's got seeing their flaws on it with Kevin? Um, Lance supremacy. No. Kevin. Oh, you lose all the abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know that thing that you get for attacking with the best commander combo? You kind of get anyway with the time that you would put the token on them. Would be exactly the time where this card actually does something anyway. So, like, objectively, you would probably never use that panic expenditure if you had Kevin Commander on them. 
I just this what? unit. <laughs> I, I don't ever, ever, ever see see this unit being a better choice than Warrior Sons. At seven, yeah. Ever. I I actually think I actually think I think if you made this a seven point unit and put Warrior Sons up against it, Warrior Sons as you say would still win. Um, I this this anno this this unit annoys me. This unit annoys me because this is not yeah. that far away from Champions of the Stag, right? In terms of profile. The Champions Stag have token, putting out tokens galore, and they have a cav move, and they get a plus one armor on top of all of that. Like, the, yes, you can't do cross faction comparisons, but you can at least look at two things across factions and go, well, they're shit, and say they're not even good in compared to Knights of Cassie Rock Flay men. Yeah. You know what I say? I, I, I said this yesterday, right, Carlo? Do you know what's better than turning off an opponent's ability for a turn while you attack them? Probably just killing them. Yeah, just killing them with flame men. Just fucking... <laughs> Guess what? You don't have abilities for the rest of a game if you're dead. Uh, that's a much better solution. Um, I... It's... Yeah. Guys, it's a, it's a dumpster fire unit. What the hell have they done? It's not even good models, you know. There are some, there are some people out there who think that they like models. Maybe, maybe we'll see some stuff in person. Maybe, maybe, maybe it won't be as bad as the renders looked in terms of models. But I like nothing about this unit. Nothing, nothing, nothing about this unit. Uh, this that was actually seen. Captain guy, second one in from the left. He looks the worst of all of them. <laughs> uh, it up or whatever, whatever it's doing with its faceplate, and then I, I know. Do, do you want to know? No. Do you want to know a really cool thing, Carlo? It comes with an attachment in the box, and do you know what the attachment is? <laughs> it's Sentinel Enforcer, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Same stupid armor as the Sentinel Enforcer. Which. <laughs> That eight-point unit came with taunt in the box. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's you, you know what's really good I, at making I making? Say, I think that the other Sentinel Enforcer, who used to be my least favorite last model, mm -hmm. I believe that he's better than all of those models. Mm -hmm. So these have now become my five or six least favorite models. <laughs> Do you know what sums it up for me? It's not only do you get a dumpster fire eight point unit, but the attachment it comes with is also pretty garbage. And again, yeah. if you actually think about it, taunt inside these guys, while it, you know, four point movement, it mitigates that. Do you know what you really want on taunting units or taunted units? You really want to put panic tokens on them so they fail the taunt. The, the one ability that you'd ever want to use on these guys fundamentally does not synergize with Lannisters. It, it's just, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. You, you used to play, you used to play Lannisters, right, Carlo? What is one thing... A long time ago. I know, right? 
what is the one thing that you thought was had value in terms of like setting things up would you say warcry to put out panic tokens vulnerable good but panic tokens was vitally important because it raised your yeah. damage output and now you're actively saying you want to reduce your damage output with lannisters who struggle to put these tokens out i can't i'm done yeah 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 I agree. Oh, total, 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 total trash kit. I am with Ilya, though. <laughs> Worst unit in the game. I'll probably only buy one box. That's how bad they are. <laughs> still buy one, though. <laughs> yeah, still buy one. Still are we Are we going to get to see an unboxing of it? I think this might be mm -hmm. uh, this might be a unit that might be worth unboxing. <laughs> no. Um... So yeah, I mean, we can talk all day about how bad these guys are, but I don't think it... There's no point, right? There's actually no point. We've already talked about it far too long. Um, they might get buff. They might get buff one day. They will get buff one day. <laughs> I hope they Demon, do. Demon balance units that are getting no love and they particularly try and push really expensive like elite Action-defining units down people's throats, even though they don't seem to be able to understand why people would want to field them. So I expect them to get buffed at some point in the future. Can they I... will, of course, say for quite a while that there is not enough data. Mm -hmm. And when all the data you need to know is a, nobody's buying them, and b, <laughs> and, and b, nobody's fielding them. Purposely, like in the first six months, that nobody fields them. And that's all the data you need to see. I mean, to be, do they even need to see the data? I'm 90% sure you could just put this in front of nearly anybody and they'll go, mm. that's just trash. <laughs> like there is no, there, you don't need more data after that, surely. Um, I mean, this one's, to put it bluntly, this is just an obvious call, right? And I don't want to sound, make it sound like we're jumping on a bandwagon or bashing the unit like unnecessarily or anything like that. But surely this is just obviously bad. I, I, I think that I think there's incredibly widespread community consensus that, that this unit is trash. Like I, I I have not I have not yet seen a single person come out to defend this unit. I, I have I've seen to say a couple I did. of people say I kind of like the aesthetic. Because the models are always going to be, uh, you know, personal opinion. But I've yet to see a single person defend the unit as good value at eight. I did see someone on Facebook defend it. Um, and Facebook I, doesn't want me. I know, Facebook. right? But I, <laughs> like, this, is, this is how curious I was. I saw someone try to defend it. And I went, I, I, I read the full comment and was actually interested because I was like, what are you smoking to come to that conclusion? Um, and he said stuff, and I was like, everything you've said in that whole dialogue of what you've just said says you don't like this unit. You just find it interesting. <laughs> you don't actually think it's good. You just think it's interesting. Um, and, you know, people can find things interesting if they want. Um, so, Lannister... Cassie Rock on a guard coming to a shop near you soon.
I'm sure many Lannisters will uh, play the unit, realise it's trash. Uh, in case anyone's wondering where I've been for these cast couple minutes, I've been mixing up the dog food she hasn't eaten tonight. And uh, if I had some Lannister, Cassie or Chronogard, I would probably try and feed them to the dog, although they'd probably make her poorly. Uh, not because they're plastic, but because they're bad for anyone's health to even see them. Um, anyway... Should we move on with nicer things in the world? Yeah, let, let's... Oh, God, let's move on to something else. Oh, do you want to actually... There you go. Look, this was at the same Polish event. Just where, just where we got the same image up. Oh, look, it's an elephant. I, As I discussed last week, the elephants are playable by comparison. <laughs> Rip! Um... See, just double-check chat before we uh, definitely put this one to bed and probably never talk about these guys literally ever again. Um, Marwin thinks they're alpha chads. Fair enough, Marwin. You do you, buddy. Um, Iron Forest Carly says, Meryn Trant will be good in the unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they do synergize quite well with each other. Mm-hmm. As does the rubbish bin. <laughs> the, the phrase, throwing good money after bad, comes to mind. Yes, yes. You know, putting more points into attachment investments into a terrible eight-point unit does not suddenly make it good. Now just makes it an eight- or ten-point unit. Mm -hmm. Paul makes a very good point. The completionists will buy it. Hence, this man over here. <laughs> I do, I do, I do often wonder actually when uh, when their initial response is not enough data when they like talk about whether or not a unit needs to be uh, rebalanced. I wonder if the only data that they actually are talking about and actually care about is what are its sales numbers. Yeah, that does bring an interesting question, doesn't it? Because 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 when I said you know they when they see that nobody buys this unit, but then I thought well people will buy it. People are already talking about buying it. I will buy it. And if that's the actual data that they care about, then... <laughs> I mean, actually, Paul Spurgeon, I didn't realize there's a comment here that he actually points out a very good point of this unit and the models, Carlo. Most of them appear to be right-handed. Yeah. Yeah, they have got the habit going for them, and yet they're still terrible models. You know what? We'll give them 0.5 for somewhat accurate depiction of men wielding sword. Uh, <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Carly, if I won these at a tournament, I would reject the prize. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd give them to someone who wants to play D&D. Here you go, here's some nice guys to maybe paint up if you like them. Anyway, um, so that's that done. Uh... It did lead on to a wider topic I wanted to discuss today, really. Um, which, again, could be something that we go way more in detail with. But design, right? I think what this tells us is a lot about, um, specifically, Lannister design. Which, at the moment, is pretty bad. Right? And when I say that, it's just... It seems disconnected. Yeah. What actually wins games versus what actually works? Right? 
you're asking you're asking somebody who I don't play them because hmm. I don't see any interesting design there. Right. And then I think I... the the thing for me that, that really summed this up was that it was the honor guard, right? Because for me, it just showed what they thought Lannisters were about and what they were trying to achieve was again it was just there's just a fundamental issue with what they're trying to suggest the unit does and what the faction is supposed to be doing because it's not just not like that style that you know it's not about whether it's competitive or not it is counter to winning games it's counter to enjoying games and it's counter to feeling like you're having an impact in a game it's it just feels very off um and i just i'm I'm really struggling with it and and actually i was going to do a a bit of a breakdown of a unit which i didn't touch on when i did my stark overview but something i noticed specifically when we talk about certain design philosophy behind certain units right i'm gonna bring up these guys we haven't talked about them enough perhaps um, don't appear often don't talk about them often uh, House Mormont Bruises. Um, first of all, we'll just get out of the way. Yeah, they're not good, right? Seven points of sadness. I always think I always think that they're six points. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily think that they're a great six-point unit. No. And then I always look at them and I'm like, holy shit, they're seven points. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. So there's a massive... For me, there's a massive problem with Bruises. In that they don't work, and I don't mean that as in like you put them on the board and they're not very good. The the philosophy behind how the abilities work just doesn't make sense to me. If they're getting attacked and losing ranks, they get more bonuses. Yes, that's what we like. We like getting more bonuses. We're Starks, we have Catelyn. We might be able to put ourselves on max ranks after taking some wounds. Cool, awesome. And they have Counter-Strike. So everything about these guys says, I want to be attacked. Right? Except the defense profile shit. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to get attacked and like half killed easily. Right? It's not even a question. Um, and then you add into this, right, okay, well, at least if I'm getting that attack, I'm going to hit back with, like, two keywords and things like this. Um, I'm never going to, I'm very rarely going to get one shot, but I'm going to get these big attacks back. And I would always say, not really. Because the way that people play the game with, like, a, you know, a late charge into an early charge and things like this means that this unit's never going to get an, a completely free attack unless the opponent hasn't killed it in two, most likely. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, more about it, and was like, start Sworn Swords, now they'll cast that Loyalist, Precision and Crypt Blow, She Bears if you want to go that route. All do exactly the same thing as this unit does, for cheaper. Yeah. And have a point, point more better in defense. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to survive those incoming attacks and then do the thing back so what you're paying for in this unit and purely what you're paying for is the 
flexibility of which keyword you pick between Cryptlo and Precision, which I do think has a small amount of value, and Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is a one-point ability. We know that because we're kind of a one-point. Maybe they value it at two points. It's hard to say because of the whole Rick on Osha thing. So what are you paying for? What are you paying seven points for with this unit that five and six points isn't getting you? I, I, I struggle to see it. Um, and this was where I was saying that the design philosophy is wrong because in lists where this appears, where you want it to be taking a brunt and then being aggressive back, it can't do because it gets out activated because it's a seven point unit. And in lists where you want to go late into the round and a high activation list, and this is like your your puncher at the end of the round with seven dice on threes with like crit blow or whatever, doesn't work because you're taking a seven point unit in an attempt to out activate your opponent. And there are better things at doing that, like House Sully Cavaliers at eight, even you know, She Bears with Walker at six and things like this. So for me, I, I just fundamentally don't believe that this unit works in any stretch of what it's supposed to be doing. Um, I, I struggle a lot with it. And I think it, it's a unit that I've seen people try. And the more I've seen people try, the more I'm actually convinced that you shouldn't and can't design lists around getting the most use out of this. Because every time you start to design lists, the weakest component in the list becomes this seven point unit. And that's a list tailored around it. So yeah, it, it it's not it's not pulling enough weight to be a scary offensive unit, and it's simultaneously the the hole in your line, the weak unit that your opponent can exploit, and simultaneously one of your most exper expensive units. Like it doesn't perform in any of those categories. And and honestly the best use of this maybe is to not invest in it the the actual best use of this unit which i was kind of theorizing and list building with was actually to keep it a nerf seven point unit with maybe your commander in it because mm -hmm. if you put more points into this you're de facto making the rest of the list weaker which de facto makes this unit weaker because this unit relies on the rest of the, the rest of the list to do its job for this to do its job. It's really weird. It's a unit that quite literally relies on everything else in your list to work for it to work. And that that is that's just fundamentally bad design. Um which goes back to, you know, to some extent, the honor guard. Yeah. I think that it feels to me like a lot of units are costed around this idea that you will stay in one-on-one -on -one combats for a six, like front, front on front, front on front, one in combat, one-on-one -on -one combats for multiple rounds. Yes. And there, yes, that happens more now, I would say. The game is less explosive, less damaging, less extreme in just charging and killing units and moving on through and just like two tapping units at the end of end of a round and then start of a round mm -hmm. but at best when you watch games or should we say at, at most rather than best mm -hmm. at most there will be 
two defensively mindseted units that meet somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. maybe fighting over the center objective, maybe fighting over a side objective, maybe one of them has the objective and the other is trying to push them off, any of those things. And they will remain locked over a period of rounds and they may or may not have loads of, should we call it, resources thrown at them. They may may have the swords used on them, the bags multiple times. They might have loads of tokens weakened, all things. Like, everybody might be supporting that fight from all sorts of places. People might be shooting into the combat because it feels like the battle is revolving around this unit. Mm-hmm. But at most, that is one unit fighting one unit. Yep. And yet... It feels like a lot of units that Simon put together are costed around this idea that this front-on-front, one-on-one, will be occurring at three or four places on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and that all units can be costed at their ability to fight something else one-on-one, what it can fight one-on-one, and how that fight will go over a period of multiple rounds. Whereas actually what happens is is that somewhere a couple of units will get locked up. Those That specific fight will not resolve quickly, and so suddenly good players will put all, their, all of their attention elsewhere on the battlefield to resolving a fight very quickly, outmaneuvering their opponent and gaining an upper hand very quickly somewhere else on the battlefield, to which they can then swing around and then like flank or win that protracted combat. Or they just like assume that, well, that's just a losing fight for me, mm-hmm. and I'll lose it over the next three rounds, and that's fine. I'll put minimal effort into losing it. Yes. But like I say, so many, this unit here cannot be your center point mm-hmm. because its defense is not high enough. If your opponent throws all supporting aspects, starts shooting into the combat, adding in tokens, throwing their best unit at this thing, you know, which also costs seven, eight, eight points, throws Lance Cavalry into the front, does something like that. Mm-hmm. This unit is going to fold. And the thing that it's fighting is not. Mm-hmm. This unit can win in a protracted fight against five-point unit, but it's not going to find itself into a protracted fight with a five-point unit with no support being brought up. That's not how people play the game. No. And I think... I, I think that there's a real lack of fundamental understanding of how people utilize units, how people utilize positioning. At, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I shy away from even saying top-end play. I just mean, like, just just the sheer reality of the way this game is played by everybody who has some mediocre experience of it. Yeah, pe- people aren't just going to stand there slugging it out in a combat in a, if they genuinely believe that they're going to they're going to lose. You know, unless they know that they're going to lose and they've accepted it, and that they just want to deliberately slow the pace of the game down, as you say. Um, yeah. People aren't just going to stand there and bash it out. And yeah, I don't so, know. So, so to like further flesh out that thought and like kind of explain why I think it happens mm-hmm. is effectively I feel like say we were talking about like more like Warhammer Fantasy 
Yes. Right. Or 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 Kings of War or something. Right. Something that where the tactics board and the tactics deck didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, if both of those things didn't exist, we can cost units around this idea that they will end up in front on front front on front combat and will last there over a period of rounds. Mm-hmm. And this is a very important aspect of the game. But because of the way the tactics board allows huge amounts of resources to be focused into a single combat very, very quickly, that a single unit can attack many, many times in a round, can charge and then attack, and then mm-hmm. can, can can charge off of the board, can gain extra attacks off of the board through tactics cards, can even gain, can surprise an opponent with its positioning because of cards, can get into new places that you didn't think, and create charges that you otherwise didn't think were possible. Mm-hmm. It's no longer worthwhile costing units around their protracted combat ability because all of those things combined and the way the game plays means that it is way faster, way more dynamic and way more like intensive, shall we say, than these more traditional war games Mm-hmm. where we just talk about block units that move around in very predictable, steady formations and predictable maneuvers. You can see somebody getting flanked a long way off in a game like Warhammer Fantasy. It takes multiple turns to set up or a whole flank collapsing before that happens. Whereas in song, a flank can occur incredibly quickly. It can be it can be just the use of an ability that you didn't see coming. It can be a retreat which goes off in a direction that you didn't think. It can even be um, a retreat which rolls a higher dice roll than you thought it was going to be. Or more specifically, it's a card that gets played in response to something, um, which allows position a unit to reposition. And so these positions then very very quickly capitalize into a unit dying and the whole game swinging and it's not about three units fighting front on front against three other units with maybe one support unit and one cavalry unit kind of like kicking mm-hmm. around yeah. yeah it's i don't know it just spe- it speaks to me that they don't really think about what they're designing just to put it bluntly, and they don't—they're not actually applying thought to how is this supposed to be used and what what role does it supposed to have in the game, and they're just designing things because they think they look cool. I know Carly said it in chat, you know, um, it's like oh they have a mace, let's give them a mace ability, and then have a buckler, so give them counter strike. Like I like that is legitimately what it feels like, and I I don't want to just sound like I'm bushing, bashing house more bruises, right? I actually do think that they have a role. I do think that they have one. I think that you can use them. The point was never about that. It was so much as that, and again, the Honor Guard just really capitalize on this. There's just things that either do it better or fundamentally are just the same thing, just in a different shape. And and this and is where... Cheaper. And cheaper. Yeah, and cheaper. And, and, and that's... And that's again it really sums it up like like the, i still can't get over the honor guard like spending panic tokens and 
Lannister's lack of token generation being like the biggest weakness that they're very bipolar and binary kind of like flip-flop of the Lannister deck being um and then it's like oh yeah the one thing that is so flip-flop about the deck is you know panic checks and morale checks and I'm going to take away the one thing that I need to like double down on that um yeah it just seems it's just so flawed um yeah i think and and, and i agree with carly when um like why why do simon so highly value outflank right it comes back to this question yeah. and when you think of the battlefield as being like these units like coming forward and locking front on front Yes, a whole unit, particularly like a cavalry unit or an explosive unit appearing in the flank or even in the rear of that battle line sounds like an incredibly powerful ability. But the reality is, as I say, that generating flank charges is not difficult and complex, especially if your opponent isn't fielding one of their units on the battlefield. There is too much space in the game to cover to stop your opponent from getting around your flank in some reasonable amount of time. The only way that you can deny it is if you turtle in a corner, and that is never a good competitive strategy in anything outside of maybe fire and blood. And even then, it's an incredibly questionable strategy. It takes a very good player and very precise movement to deny flank charges effectively you know what we can deny them you know what i'm gonna say right we're touching on the one thing which in my head is why where the ncu problem comes about right because the best way to solve all of these problems is just to run more field units where you can just go wall to wall on the board and and then do that. Like but, even, even five or six units at 40 points, you're still not going wall-to-wall. But you can, you can basically do it, right? But it, it, it negates the, 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 the fundamental problem of that, being that isn't a good strategy because your opponent can always activate after you, which means that the unit that you hang always gets charged and always gets aligned to 50%, so nothing else can charge it therefore the unit that you want to hold this line just dies yeah and then from that that point out it's literally game over because now you've got a hole your whole strategy was i don't have holes in my line and the very first unit that comes forward gets killed and now you got a hole in your line (laughs) (laughs) like that's the problem and your opponent because of tactics board control and because of uh activation advantage which they'll inevitably have if they've got more ncus allows them to control the resources of the game they have more resources to spend than you do um like that's the the, like the circular argument if you will and why the meta is what it is because they want us to play in this way right they want us to play with these walls of units and low ncus and things like that and then we're sat there being like yes but this is why it's bad because you designed the game with tactics cards and abilities that can be used and this whole NCU tactics board that can be used and you seem to be designing units that don't want us to use those other resources outside the game that you gave us. 
Yeah, and 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 again, like I've said it before, to me, why why would you ever shy away from the tactics board and the tactics cards because they are the singular unique selling point of song and the single thing that makes it a worthwhile game in my mind there is nothing there is nothing otherwise incredibly unique about an i go you go game system yeah. um they're they're relatively simple design space is you know like okay it's relatively attractive they're 12 models to a unit is yes okay quite again straight out of the box simple pre pre-built models don't pre pre-colored plastics they are all easy ways to get beginners into the game i'm not actually a huge fan i would say of their um of the rank-based attack system like i i don't think that it's and it's not revolutionary enough or good enough that you're like, wow, that sells this as like a fighting game, like on the tabletop, this thing, like this is really brought fighting games forward. And so what is unique and special about this is the tactics board, the zones that it brings, the way that it interweaves with the story and the NCUs and the way they have an influence on the battlefield and the tactics cards and how there is a real flavor to every faction and commander based on those tactics cards. And I do think that that is, on the whole, pretty well implemented. Mm-hmm. On the whole, characters do bring their own style to a faction. Yep. Every faction has its unique style, has its unique flavorings, why would you ever want to shy away from those things? I think that the game became tactically worse when they made every tactics deck worse or like effectively less impactful Yes, because of how powerful some of the imbalances they had created were. They didn't need to nerf all the decks. They needed to make them all equal. Mm-hmm. But instead, they reduced the power of everything because basically they wanted to. They, they, there's less chance that there's going to be huge power disparities when the highest power level is much lower. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 I think that they've ever since their initial creation of the game shied away from the things that make the game the best game out there. And that that's that that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about it a lot in that yes, we're competitive players, right? We would always call ourselves competitive players when it comes to the game. We are, but if you were to ask us what's the one improvement they should make to the game that isn't just like a mechanical change, but like a like a change to the game that we would want to see, fundamentally, one of the things we say make characters worth taking. Like if if it's a named character, if it's fucking, I'll just use like the Martels aren't out, right? And we'll probably see the Viper if he's a commander, which we, we are believes that he's going to be a commander in the new Martel deck. We are probably going to see the Red Viper in loads of Martel armies. Okay, yes, the choice is limited, but also because of who he is. Oberyn Martel, fucking everybody wants to put him on the board. 
right? Mm -hmm. So he should be a commander. He should have an attachment version you can take. He should be a fucking NCU. Every you should just be able to be like, right, I want to have Oberon in my army. What kind of where do I want him? Where can he go? Because everyone wants him. John, fuck it. I want John in every Night's Watch army because John's freaking great. You know, um, and we already see John's play rate being astronomically high. Um, and it's because people love John. It's not really to do with his power level. Um, I would love to see. Doesn't hurt, no. Oh, it doesn't hurt. No, <laughs> but uh, but like, we just want to see these characters that we liked from the books and from the TV show on the board because the characters what made the game, the the stories interesting and things like that. And you can't put characters on the board like knowingly. And sit there and say, not only have I now got a game that I enjoy playing competitively, but it's also like, I like the lore behind this competitive side. You know, yes, the competitive gaming for us is always going to take prime example, prime spot. But that doesn't mean we don't want the characters. It's that we feel we can't take them because it puts us at a disadvantage. Um, man. Just like design things they're moving away from and it really does seem they're like they're moving away from it uh, and you know this new swathe of stuff we've seen from golden company the lannisters some of the later unit releases like the moment bruises for these guys some of the stark stuff um it's not it's not like it's all bad it isn't it isn't all bad but a lot of it is just kind of like huh what what was the last good unit to be released? The actual last good unit. Free foot Not... chariots. Free foot chariots are bloody good. Um, yeah. What, what what else? Starks, Carstark. You know what? I'm 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 gonna say they're not bloody good, but Carstark loyalists at five. Uh, okay, they're, they're okay. Yeah. yeah, they're they're okay. Um, they're okay. Um, yeah, they're okay. Lannisters haven't had a release or good release in far too long um okay baratheon high garden it's very questionable yeah they're not they're playable they're playable yeah so i think it's the other things in baratheon that make them bad rather than them necessarily just being trash on their own um and morale seven morale seven on the pikemen just well, make it six also See? Having having a six point cavalry unit without any four point options on the field, so you can't get the high activations that you need to make them work. Um, yeah. Gra drowned men, great joy drowned men. Playable, playable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's all it's all been very safe and very safe or bad. Shadow Tower spearmen. Again, the spearmen seem like under under the par. All the Golden Company stuff is bad. Cold Hands as a unit, but he's a character, so yeah, it's not really. It doesn't really count. Yeah, I mean, Targs, uh, Blood Riders, I guess, was one of the the later releases, arguably Blood Riders. Um, now we're going. Now we're going back ten months or something like that. We're certainly pre. We're going back. Uh, six months going back half a year to like pre-december basically but blood riders were probably i mean they were roughly the same time as chariots right i think chariots were just after um yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Not that not that I want them to release like no. game breaking units, of course. Like it's just it's just an interesting thought that they're on a very, very release release you know, actually call it conservative mm-hmm. power level release at the moment. Somebody said for something very interesting, which I don't agree with, but it did make me think, right? So I'll just load up the uh, Golden Company guys for a second. And it's these units being released, but questioning the use of 2021 in the bottom left-hand corner of these units. Mm-hmm. Were they ever designed with Season 1 in actual mind? Are these, are these actually designed... For pre-season one, they've just waited so long before they can come out, and so that we're actually seeing these guys in a meta where they were literally never designed to be released into. Um, I don't know if that's plausible necessarily, but I actually I can believe it. You know what? I can actually believe it with when they've talked about how long it takes them to produce units and the timescales and things. I can believe that Simon have designed these and then never thought about the update as having it to affect these, and they just never changed them. And the lack of communication just further kind of prophesied. Yeah, so are you saying that. that Season 1 has come earlier than they intended it to, or that this unit was released later than they intended to release the unit? Because... Yes, was the answer to that. Yes. Yeah, because, <laughs> like because both. the answer is they're I always 100% of the time releasing units later than they intended to release them, it seems. Every yes. single unit is always later than they say it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, of course, they were, they were designed pre-season one. I don't believe that. I don't believe that they work on season one, like the actual SO1 changes, the changes that were made, I don't believe that they work on them for a long period of time. No. But the initial conception through to setting its rules, through to finalizing its rules, to then go to print, to then get sent out, mm-hmm. I believe that that process takes them a very long time. I don't believe yeah. that it should, but it, but it does take them a very long time. And so the the point in time when this unit had its, had its rules fixed Will have been before they ever really took a, a real look at what season one changes will be. Yes. Yeah. I think that season one changes took them the absolute most a month. I have reason to believe it took them slightly longer. Um, but we're not talking, we're talking maybe two months, maybe it's pushing three at most. Well, I, I don't think that they. I don't. I, so I don't think that they. I don't think that they assign continuous time mm-hmm. to updating. Right, like there's no, not like a no, day no, of the week. No. Not like a day of the week every week that Fabio is like, right, what what units need to be looked at this week or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There is like a block of time where it's like, all right, so we're going to do an update for for song, and it's like, what are the worst? What are the worst offending units that need? to have their rules changed and they sit down and they hash out some changes they send them off for testing 
get them back as quickly as possible, iterate on them maybe once, send them out again, get some testing, and then they go, right, that's it. Done. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, that is a very separate process, I believe, to the more continuous, okay, like this is where Golden Company currently are. In three months' time, they need to have finalized rules. In three more months' time, they're going to be like have finalized renders sent to the factory and printed cards by this date and this date. And like that whole process like takes like this time, this time, this time, this time. And they just have to hit those specific dates because factories are involved. Yeah. Whereas when you do a season one update, you're like, here's the errata, send it to the war, send it to the war council guys, whoever whoever the fuck they are. And still still have no idea who they are. Send these changes and these PDF changes, and that's it. Nothing else is needed. So that is done in a very short, intensive period. And I don't think that they have the time, the capacity, or the ability to consider units that aren't out in that discussion. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, which is funny because if we think back to um, like uh, meetings of old, sessions of old, they used to sit there and go, ah, oh, guys, it might not be balanced right now, but it will be balanced when these other units come out. And it's like, huh? <laughs> uh yeah i don't know I, I've... yeah at least at least i'm glad that they haven't said that in a very long time <laughs> they haven't told us that no 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 your faction will make sense when you buy more stuff off us yeah uh, which won't come out for another six months mm-hmm. um just a comment in chat there fairly new player from misfit uh, misfit kev sorry a fairly new player four months uh played mainly 40k a song by sarah fire is in a good place compared to 40k yes um i would agree there i mean in case it isn't really obvious and it isn't always me and carlo absolutely love a song by some fire as in like the game we invest or have invested so much time it's unimaginable at this point into the game and other aspects you know the whole website uh content and things when we used to do a lot more um you know we sat here for an hour already today uh <laughs> we, well, also, we absolutely also love it. I, I i i'm adamant that i believe that balance wise the game is in the best state it's ever been yes yeah, yeah um i do i do have some reservations about like as i discussed i do think that that is partly because they've shied away some from some of the things that made the game truly truly unique right like i I do think that some of that balance improvement and it is definite definite balance improvement some of the balance improvement has come at the game's expense like Mm -hmm. i actually think that the game was more exciting and more enjoyable when it was more explosive when there was more capacity for a good player to um to, to outplay their opponent because of card usage because of because of tactics board play because of certain things but it, it is it is very debatable whether or not it's worth losing that for better balance and 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 and, and i think that that's something that we just have to come to terms with i do think that a lot of armies um are a bit too too similar now um the factions are less are less um less clearly defined 
there's a lot of crossover. That also is always going to happen with um, longer or, or like more and more releases. More and more releases means that there are going to be more and more crossover in the factions, mm -hmm. especially when one of their major design philosophies is that commanders kind of bring aspects of another faction into different faction. Um, they like lean heavily on cards that others have. There are a huge amount of cards that exist in multiple factions now if you consider various command commander combinations. Um, is there a possible chance that we get a balance update with Martel release? No, they, they won't come together. No. If anything, the release of the Martels will mean that they won't balance for quite a long time because they'll want to consider, or at least the Martels will never be considered within the balance update because they want to see where Martels exist in the ecosphere. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that it will take time, design time, and like team time away from what would be considered balance time. It's really... So there is part of me which comes into like a news release anyway, which we're going to talk about later on. Um, part of me thinks... Simon have been very quiet. I am willing to bet, not strongly, but the LGT in September may, this is a big may, and Carlo will be like, no way, Carlo doubt on this one, um, may be played under different balance. And yes, yeah, so. No. Big X, yeah, big X is out. Carlo Doubtface. No, big Carlo Doubt. Do you know I'm why? willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that Martels could be out in time. Yeah. From Singapore, more likely than from your actual friendly local gaming store. I believe that, at the very least, Martel leaks will be out. But I do not believe that there'll be a balanced patch. I don't know. Right. The reason I said that I was willing to place a bet on this because I can see Simon doing it. I am willing to say that Simon will balance the game after US Nationals. I believe US Nationals will happen, and because Simon will be present, that will be enough to spark them to do a balance update, almost regardless of what actually happens at the event and regardless of who attends. I'm I'm actually fairly convinced. Because we haven't heard from them in any other way, shape or form. And when does a season end for them? I can imagine a season for them ends when the championships, if you will, for that ends. And yes, we have reason to believe that they have a world championship, although bugger all has been said about it. Um, when does the season for them end? Well, they're a US-based company, right? Or pretend that they are most of the time with all the marketing when the US Championships is over. I could agree with that if season one wasn't only three months old. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's But this is what I'm saying. They might start working on it after that. Now, Simon release, right? We, we won't be playing LGT under a new patch. Like I think that the chance of that is actually really slim. 
but yes, the reason I say that and, initially. And yeah, if you say if you say what they're going to do is they're going to be present at US nationals, and then that will trigger them to want to rebalance the game. That's going to take them longer than the time it takes to get through to September. Probably, yeah, almost probably. Um, I'd if have season one hadn't come out and all the cards still said 2021, I could agree with you that they may be targeting post US nationals for the 2022 update. But now that the cards say S01 on them, I do not believe that they are targeting season two to start after no. the US nationals. I mean, let, even if even if they did, right, they wouldn't deliver on the promise anyway. It would be like December before the patch came out. Um, yeah, we're not going to play. Like, I'm I'm under no illusion here. We are not going to play LGT under different balance. But if the bet was available, I'd be like, that's exactly the kind of thing that Simon would do um, in an attempt to try and rush a rush a problem or anything like that. Um, I definitely think that the balance will start though after after that, um, and then we'll see where it all leads up to. Right, we'll see where season two, if they want to call it that, whatever twenty twenty three, if they call it that when it gets released, whatever. We'll see where that balance takes us in due course. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was kind of just my line of thinking there um, around. Simon. Um it's not six months old, Howard. It came out at the end of February. Yeah. Strictly speaking, it's effectively four now. We can call it four for the purposes yeah. of today's episode on the twentieth of June. Um but yeah, yeah. it's three to neither four. of us are right with three or six. Yeah. It's close enough. The thing is it's close enough, right? Halfway between. Um it's not. We'll see. We will see. We will see. Uh, I hope they do a balance patch, and I hope they definitely do a pass over some of the why? stuff. Why, why? Why do you hope that they do a balance patch? Why? At some point. Well, yeah, at some point, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I hope they do one at some point, because ultimately, I think there are a couple of factions which are... Personally, I don't like the design of the faction which means I don't think it plays well. Um, Greyjoys, to some extent, are, are one of them. I think Starks are another one. Like, I just don't think the deck plays very nicely. I've I've been playing Starks more recently, and it's not that I find it underpowered or anything like that. I just think... But, but, you're, talking about, but you're talking about pure baseline design philosophies? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We, they're not going to change more than one or two one or two cards in a oh. deck at best yes that 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 is a separate issue right uh, but i do think like a, a balance patch or a new update or whatever you want to call it is required for those things to happen like they're definitely not going to change if one doesn't happen if you know what i mean um and also you know why else is as tiring as it might seem i am fed up with people complaining about what is pretty good balance um yeah see you want people you want a rebalance but yep. for the community's sake not because the game needs it necessarily no. demands it right now not no. because the game state demands it no the game state this is the thing the game state says tweaks 
should be made. And I do mean small tweaks. Like, we're talking like, apart from an FA. I mean, yeah, I, this like is how big it is. Right? No, this is, this is actually it, right? The game would benefit less from tweaks than it would if they actually released a proper FAQ. An FAQ would actually have a bigger impact on the game than any tweaks I believe they could do, outside of maybe Endless Horde. Um, that's probably the only game-defining, game-breaking, game-meta-placing, whatever you want to call it, like, tweak they could make. Um, but an FAQ would probably make a bigger impact across more people's games, and it would be better for the community as a whole. Than any tweaks would be. That's true. There, there would never, there will never be a backlash. To the release no. of an FAQ, there will be a backlash from the casual community base around. Oh my God, you've rebalanced the game after six months. Yeah. Um. So that's where that's now, where I stand. But... Now, just to answer bidded, yeah, bidded links. I'm not saying that changing two cards and a couple of units can't vastly improve the power level, but it doesn't redefine the faction right it doesn't like totally change the feel of the faction which i think is positive it seemed that like basically what mickey was describing was that he felt that starks and Greyjoys, their feel is off that their whole design philosophy is off and i don't think that you're going to fix that design philosophy with a couple of card changes no. um no it requires so that's why that's why I'm saying, like, balance-wise, the balance is better than it has been. Some cards could be improved um, in terms of balance. Um, but, that, like, the design philosophy that he seems to have an issue with with some of the factions is actually actually not going to be suddenly changed in a Season zero two 2 update. No, no. Um, Starks probably don't need much change to make it better but there needs to be more than just like a unit change or something like that uh, i actually I mean, think Lannisters... sparks have already gone through their own two card change iteration yeah they've already been, been in pretty much direct improvements to those cards like there's very like there's the tiniest side grade with a huge upgrade at the same time um Lannisters... the same about the baratheon cards right like yeah. they are they're not exactly the same, but they're effectively the same card, but significantly better now. Lannisters, I believe, need a. You know, I do. Need, I do believe Lannisters needs a spruce. Again, not because I think that they're necessarily bad. It's got nothing to do with how good or bad these factions are. Starks need it because it just seems that like everything just feels a bit the same, and it just feels janky to use the stuff that is different. Lannisters need it because. Again, it's all very samey, and the deck just feels jank. It just feels bad to play the deck. Doesn't need like don't get me wrong. The effects that Lannisters can have can be quite good. It doesn't matter if it's not fun to play the deck. Um, and Greyjoys, while I think they're on obviously the weaker end of the scale in terms of power, they need something in the deck that isn't just these all engaged cards, which they seem to have. These, the, the, the Greyjoy problem is the triggers, not the feel or anything like that. But you don't get the feel because the triggers are all kind of whack. Um, it feels strange. Uh, they're not balance changes. It's about feel at the moment for me. In that the, the factions that are playing worse 
also feel bad to play, but not because they're less powerful, but usually because they're just they play away from what we want the faction to do. Um, so yeah, uh, the I guess the well, I have another I have a completely another thing that I was thinking about because it just seemed to be like design thing like that. Um, subjugation of power was the card I was thinking about earlier today. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, a card which can be pretty good. Uh, most of the time is pretty meh to pretty garbage because it does nothing. Um, I thought about it some more. I thought, God, you could do some really interesting things with this. And again, I think there's design space for this. Um, I quite like the idea of you doing a morale check, right? But the modifier is based on, let's say, 12, but it could be something like 10. Take away your points cost as a negative. So, like, if you're a four-point unit and it's a, it's a 12... Uh, that uses a baseline, it would be a morale check with minus eight. So you'd almost certainly fail if you're cheap units, which plays into that subjugation of power. It is the power of, you know, this this idea of like... It's really, and it's really it's janky. It's too really much janky. math. It is too much too math. Too much math right into a cohesive paragraph. Yes. And it's too much math for... The, the the target audience that Simon have for the game. Yeah. Don't forget, yeah. they believe they believe that the target audience for this game can't count beyond forty. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! They can do fifty, right? They can do fifty. Okay. They believe that the target <laughs> audience for this game cannot count to one hundred. But yeah, that that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, that is fair. Um. But, I mean, I agree, it will never happen, but, like, I was just thinking about that, I mean, like, that design philosophy for a card that's got, like, some level of, like, law or, you know, you want the words to mean something, why has that not been addressed in something like a control faction, which would allow you to control weak units, which is the weakness of a control faction, those rush-type decks, right? You could control them up. And then you can deal, and then you can have heavy hitters versus heavy hitters. Like, you know what? Fuck it. Knights of Castle Rock Honor Guard for if you want to <laughs> run them. They would start to make at least some semblance of sense because they don't have to worry about cheap crap because that's the stuff you're switching off and dealing with with other cards. Um, it was just a thought, right? It was just a thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just a what. It's complex. It's never gonna be. No. A thing that they're going to put into place, right? Like, yeah. there are too many hurdles there. Agree, agree. It's, it, it's never going to be a streamlined rule. No. Um, but there was just something, something I liked, something I liked about stuff like that, where you know you could actually start introducing ideas. And but this is like this is the problem, right? As well, in that. I think there's just so much in the game which honestly at the moment it feels shackled to 
this little bubble of design that they've grown for themselves. And mm. like we're seeing it more and more often. We're not actually like a faction comes out and it gets a unique mechanic. Brilliant. But that's it. We very rarely see after that mechanic has been released anything new actually get added to the game in terms of a mechanic until the next faction. Yeah, I mean, that is around the discussion around Martels, right? Like, yeah. the discussion overall from the community very much kind of like is what is going to be their single one unique mechanic? Like, and, and, and a lot of people really, and, and a lot of people have kind of cottoned on to this idea that it should be something akin to like a poison type yeah. mechanic. Everybody seems to think, yeah, it's not even, and with them, it doesn't even seem to necessarily be what is their unique mechanic. It's like, how will they implement what we think is going to be effectively poison? Yes. Like, uh, is it going to slow units? Is it going to is it going to do damage over time? Is it going to be a new token like like pillages? Um, but yes, it feels like the introduction of a faction mm. is pretty much the one single time that an entire unique mechanic comes into the game, um, and it only exists within that faction, really, um, and. Very, very rarely will a unit bring a whole new dynamic to the game. Effectively, there are there was Lannister Faith, yes, which in a way was the first time that we saw this. Right, mm -hmm. we had the initial game. It had Starks and Lannisters, and it had uh, and it had Boltons, and there was nothing really unique there there was the kickstarter you, you know there's the direwolves yep which were in a way what was unique about the starks at the time they were the only people who had solos uh, and don't forget they were right kind okay of. well that's what i was gonna yeah. say there was the kickstarter exclusives yeah which don't forget the mountain only just actually got released yeah <laughs> with heroes three yeah but technically speaking and don't forget, Direwolves were incredibly unique back then. And oh, incredibly yeah. powerful. <laughs> they were free. Um, and they brought the activation count of Starks very, very high. They didn't give um, up VPs originally. Do you remember that? Exactly. They yeah. <laughs> didn't even give up VPs on death. So Starks had their unique thing, and it was solo wolves. Now, as I as as you say, you know, like basically Mountain of Rides kind of came along and at the same time, but like he, the whole Kickstarter exclusive thing was very, very contentious at the start. Mm -hmm. Um then we saw Night's Watch come. And that was the very first time. It's now quite a common thing. That was the very first time that cards basically got attached to units. That was that's when vows became a thing. Quest cards didn't used to exist back then. Yeah. Um, card attachment now became a thing. Then we had uh, then we had free folk come along. Free folk's unique thing, of course, was um, huge horde style of units. And the, um, the insignificant keyword, basically. The insignificant keyword being the really important new thing that they brought to the game. Um, 
And around that time is when Lannister Faith came in and basically said, Lannisters don't really have anything unique. What we're going to do is we're going to give them these faith units. We're going to give them Champion of the Faith. We're going to give them um, Warrior Sons and we're going to give them Poor Fellows. The unfortunate problem was that it totally redefined the faction. That became the faction in so many ways. Um, Baratheons came along. And their unique thing was that they only get to field half the faction. Well, they're... <laughs> they're, they're, That's <laughs> their unique thing. <laughs> they, if, if, anyone, if anyone here doesn't remember the Baratheon releasing at the start of 1.6, uh, Baratheons was actually a lot more subtle than that. Um, their unique faction was, or their unique mechanic was, they were trash. Um, yeah. And and they were, they were only beaten. They were only beaten at that unique mechanic by the even more unique mechanic of Targaryens, where they yeah. were utter trash. <laughs> um, God, do you remember base box Targaryens? Fucking hell. Yeah. They well, they were the worst faction in the game. Came... Targs came and their unique thing was Dothraki cavalry. Yes, like, yeah, a cavalry army. The first and only people to have cavalry commanders. Brendan um, Outrider, technically Kickstarter, but he was available. Kickstarter, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, Drogo um, and the cavalry, cavalry core box, that was the thing. You didn't run a cavalry army with Brendan exclusive because you didn't have even Tully Cavaliers until much later on, whereas you got a Targaryen cavalry force in the box. Uh, which is pretty unique, yeah. Greyjoys come along and they bring their pillage mechanic. I yep. would say they are probably one of the factions out of all, now that we actually like, really name them. They lean into their mechanic more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bed embedded into their tactics cards. It's absolutely, yeah, um, it's everywhere. Yeah. I yeah, think that, that has made people think that Martels will be the same. I don't necessarily agree. I think that it's far more likely that here and there we will see a unit. I don't believe, I personally don't believe that Martels are going to come with a new token. I don't think that they're going to come with like a, to a poison token or something like that. No. But they're more likely to see something like, God forbid, Castle Rock Honor Guard usage of tokens as a different thing. Right, like you can utilize weakened to be something else. Oh no, Carlo! No, 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 no! Everyone who's uh, hyped for Martels, right? Everyone hyped for Martels. You do realize that we've had Lannister oppression on these knights of Cassie Rock, uh, Cassie Rock Honor Guard, I should say you're going to get Martell oppression and it's going to be exactly the same fucking ability, uh, but on Martell eight point units that are shit. Um, but the Martell ones might look good. <laughs> fucking sadness. So of all those unique mechanics, Faith got re-implemented into, uh, into Stannis side stuff. Solos are now very prevalent everywhere, like, and direwolves aren't what they used to be. Um, cavalry commanders, people are still begging for cavalry commanders to become more commonplace throughout everything else, but, like, the usage of full cavalry armies exist in a lot more places. And it's interesting that most 
most factions don't feel that unique anymore. Um, and I would say the only real outlier to that is Free Folk, who remain incredibly unique because of their non-interaction with, um, with neutrals. And then that allows them to continue to occupy a more extreme space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the thing is, we'll see, right? We'll see if we'll see what happens with them. Um, I do think that we have a long way to go. Realistically, I know it's only technically around the corner, um, but I do think we've actually got quite a long way to go before we see Martels actually get released. Um, Bearded Links is right. Um, House of the Undying is actually very, yeah, was a very interesting design space and one that, you know, like it, it's not a total write off. Yeah. Um, it's not as good as it used to be. I, I, I prefer. I thought it was more interesting in its old. It's in its old implementation. Yeah. But um, I would say that there is so much design space there, and that the use of the tactics board is again still the unique selling point to this game. So why wouldn't you push more interesting ideas around that? Yeah, I mean, I know that people wanted. Um wanted like the idea of ships or something for the Greyjoys. Um which they I did got not. No, but they uh they got uh they did get it in the form of a one point ability called Outflank. Anyway. Uh <laughs> um Yeah, I mean Hey, look at that. Sorry, I just thought I'd look up the NCUs. Pirate Pre for Targaryen is in at number three on their NCU picks. They're all not great. But uh, House of the Undying, it's actually not trash. Don't forget, this has changed since since 2001. Yep. And Targaryens as a whole have fallen very heavily from their previous vaunted position because the faction was very high based on... Um, <laughs> Brother of Dragons! Mother of Dragons usage, and that she's now no longer the powerhouse that she was. It's crazy to think that Pirate Bree is roughly equivalent to Barristan, though. Um, With nowhere near as high a pick rate. No, nowhere near. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. God, sad win rates. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's not trending upwards. Let's put it like that. Um, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, don't really know what else to say about that. It is just what it is. Um, I guess we'll see with Martels. I guess we'll see. Um, all right. Let's have a look at some events, right? Um, we have a couple of events we wanted to look at. The, uh, the US, um, event finished... The uh, U.S. I'll find it in House of All Champions. The U.S. Uh, Nationals event finished. Uh, the invites, well, not U.S. Nationals. It wasn't Nationals. It was the NA Invitational. Um, they online invited players to play. Strange enough, online. Um, and we've had 
break the meta finish as of yesterday. Um, so that's finished now. Basically, I think they're waiting on a couple of things, but uh, it's it's over. The event is over, for want of a better term. The winner has been decided. Um, so I'll have a look at those. And then uh, we've got some events obviously coming up. And did say something about the LGT, which two things about the LGT news-wise. One of them's amazing, and one of them's amazing. So there you go. Amazing news. Um, right, so... I don't know what that what it is. Oh so. yes, you do. I mean, you, I'll tell you and go. Oh yeah, it was that thing. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna guess at what one of the two things is. Yeah, one one of them's actually a very boring thing that everyone knows already, but I'm gonna mention it. So uh, this was 26 players that ended up entering the event, and uh, some pretty interesting stuff here. Starks very low play rate, uh, but did come away with a 75% win rate from the four games played. But oh, Lannisters yeah, single single Stark entrant, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lannisters. Oh, Stark entrant was uh, Lucas, by the way. The guy uh, showed the model of and things like that. That's yeah. probably playing his Starks. Um, Lannisters. 67% win rate from 12 games. That's that's not an unreasonable number. Um, uh, we see Greyjoys at 58%. Free Folk at a flat 50. Uh, Night's Watch at 44. And Brathian at 42. Um I'm going to say straight away about Free Folk and Night's Watch being typically lower than what we expect to see for those factions. But that's be probably because they've got a higher pick rate. And as we always see, when something is picked more, it usually wins percentagely less. Um, there's no surprises there. Uh, if they would have been the most picked and still the highest win rate, that's where you can look and say, well, that's interesting or concerning. Um, but yeah, Tyrion. Yeah, Six out of six for old Tyrion. Yeah. Tyrion OP. I mean, yes, there's other commanders with a 100% win rate, but nobody else with a six-game play rate. That's half of the Lannister games played with Tyrion. And he won the majority. Well, 100%. Yeah, his, well, 100% of his games. Which means that the other the other Lannister heroes only won 33% of their games. <laughs> um I mean, Tyrion is pulling weight. I mean, we've seen Endline run him. Uh, we've seen a couple of other players run him now. Pretty good. The other six games were with Roos. Yeah. Does this predate... Did the start of this tournament predate Kevin and Adam? No, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah. Um... Patrick, do we know what the last attachment does and how much she points cost? Yes, it's one point uh, central enforcer with taunt. Um, not new. Not new. It is the same as the old one. It's just a new sculpt for the old model in the attachment box. Um, there you go. So uh, the actual event was won uh, on tiebreakers by Stovetop, um, Stephen Newhouse. Uh, with his Night's Watch, he went for a Cotter Pike and Benjin combo. Um, well done, Stove. Uh, I know he watches. And um, so yeah, well done. Thanks. Good, good man. Uh, which is great to see. Um, but what I just like like point out, look at that. Like, let's go down and look at all the people who had effectively one loss, right? We've got Night's Watch, Lannister, Stark, Lannister, Baratheon, Greyjoy, Baratheon, and then we're moving into down like I think there's a draw in there maybe. Um, yeah, we're talking free folk. So you've got basically every single faction. Represented 
that were represented in any way, shape, or form in in the top like one loss bracket. Um, that's that's good balance, guys. Like that's really good balance. This is not the days of 1.6 where if you were at the top eight of a tournament like this, where it was Stark, Free Folk, and Mother of Dragons. <laughs> like, you know, with maybe yeah, like the old Baratheon. Not even three factions. It wasn't even that. It was Mother of Dragons, Mance. Uh, and... No, Harmer Harm back then. Mother of Dragons, Harmer, um, yeah. 1.6, with whatever as the second list. Steer, right? By the end. Uh, and it was Stark's Rob Howland. Like, it, it was yeah. Robert Howland. <laughs> um, yeah. It was five commanders. I mean, Yes, sure, N line ran double Tyrion, but you've got, you know, Tyrion Roos. There's two Lancer players with one one loss, uh, or two Lancer players in the top there, and one of them was running Bruce Tyrion, one of them was running double Tyrion. Fine. We've got two Brathians there. We've got one true king and Courtney, and we've got Eldon and one true king. Fine. Bit of difference. Then we've got just completely different factions. Yeah. So, yeah. Um,. And then, you know, you move into after that, it's two losses, but the, the faction, the, the thing's big. There's a lot of free folk in the two loss category. Um, Night's Watch as well. Yeah. Moving down to the bottom. Uh, Targaryens, a faction that did pretty badly, unfortunately, in the event. 25% um, winner across the eight that they had. Pretty sad. Um... All right, we've got this one here. Haha, break the meta. The break of the meta event, um, which people were pretty hyped for, that went for five rounds. There are a couple. And line, and line just letting us know that all know that he went undefeated. Don't worry, we didn't we didn't miss it. Yeah, you know, you did go uh, undefeated. I was, I was just going to comment that you know the Canadians generally seemed higher placed than the US players, which. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure all the US players really appreciate me pointing out. I've <laughs> got one, two, three Canadians in the top eight. Oh, we've got we've got a big bunch of Canadians in like the mid. Did they make up fifty percent of the of the of the entrance? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, just under like a twenty six, ten out of twenty six. Um, okay. So that yeah, no, it's, it's unfair. It's unfair. It's unfair to say that they've done better. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're half of the top eight, half of the winners, and they're half of the entrants. Yeah, they're just there are there are more Canadian entrants than I uh, first realised. Mm. Um, but yeah, break the meta. Break the meta. This is a five round event. There are still some games that have gone unplayed. I believe not many, uh, but all of the unplayed games are games that. Uh, don't affect the don't affect the winner of the event. In fact, I don't even affect, I think it really impacts anywhere near the top of the uh, standings, except yeah, because one's had to retire from his game. Um, so yeah, we haven't got anyone up there who's like, oh my god, they're going to shoot up. So what do we see? Mm -hmm. We see a Lannister winner in Sir Jacob of Glace. Um, we see Targaryens. We see some double free folk. Uh, we see Greyjoys all with one loss or less. Um, okay, the double free folk uh, is probably the the one there that we're seeing. You know, three man's raider lists, um, but that's not you know it's not dominant. And we're seeing Targaryen in this particular NSB who played a lot of Targaryen. Uh, those of you who know him on the stats Discord, he plays a hell of a lot um, of Targaryen. Jacob 
very strong player from the UK, uh, picking up a win with Lannisters of all factions with the Kevin and Roos combo, not Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he used Kevin nearly every game. Kevin, Roos, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Yeah. So. Yeah, I do think that Kevin is absolutely the best thing that Lannisters have to show for themselves at the moment. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, we see, uh, you know, dro- dropping down to the two loss bracket to see what's happening there. We see quite a few Baratheons start to appear, some more Targaryen, a real mix in the in the one loss bracket by the time you add into there. Oh, sorry, two loss bracket. Um, again, though, the point is what we're seeing is we're seeing a very, again, a mix of factions winning events. And these are, what, this event was 32 players. So it was larger than the NA Invitational event. Um generally higher ranking as well from the player entries and it had a still roughly equal split of factions um let's have a look at the faction win rates targaryen's the most dominant at 68 percent with one of the highest game rates uh that's actually very impressive from targaryen's coming out of that um that is kind of counter to what we see in the overall uh elo standings right um Although, of course, win rate is not necessarily reflective of the LO change. So it's worth commenting on that. Uh, but Baratheon's here doing fairly poorly at a 28 game played and a sub 50% win rate. Um, again, we expect them to drop with a higher play rate, but uh, yeah. Targaryens. Two events of roughly equal size vastly 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 different kind of like picture of what is doing well mm-hmm. the only one if we actually look at the stats the only ones we can actually say that are consistently doing well in these events are lannister and free folk because lannister and free folk in both events end up with a 50 percent or better win rate and that's an event play cool good you know, um, I don't think that that's a problem. I really don't think that the balance is in a bad place. I've said it before. I think Free Folk are the best. Maybe John might be better. I do think Free Folk need a tone down before. I've said that many a times. But I really don't think the balance is as bad as people are trying to indicate. I'm still not playing Lannister. They're still trash. <laughs> oh, man. After all of that, I started with a Lannister reveal to make him feel bad. And then... Uh, and then, you know, we were trying to convince him towards the end. Uh, God damn it, Carlo. That was a two-hour episode wasted just trying to convince you to play Lannisters. Right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, nothing, nothing's going to convince you, is it? Uh, all right. So, do you know what is sad? Drogo was 17 of the 19 games played that weren't mirrors. Mm. That is <sighs> a high, high pick rate. Yep. It's just sad, isn't it? Like, it is really sad that Drogo is just. I know we said before that we, we talk about um, Mother of Dragons was kind of synonymous with 1.6 um, uh, Targaryens. Then we saw um, Mother Dragons kind of become synonymous with 2021, but Drogo was a good second. Now we are literally seeing Drogo is synonymous with Targs, right? Again, in 2021 season one. 
Um, we've said it before, it's not new, nothing here is said is new. I do think that that alone is pointing to a problem. Um, not a balance problem, but again, this kind of like, this discussion that we have consistently with, there's just not much variety. Um, mm -hmm. And this is actually kind of where I wanted to kind of end this. We've just seen two relatively big TTS events end among many, many physical events. Um, and yet people are still complaining about balance. People are still saying the game is stale. People are still saying that for them, the game is just like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just getting to a point where people don't want to play as much anymore and things like that. Um, no one's actually directly saying that. No one's actually saying, I'm not going to play this game much more. But that's the sentiment of what people are trying to say. Right? They believe change is needed. And I... I, I... <laughs> change... Change can be good. Right? But I really think that a lot of people should just accept that change isn't necessarily coming soon. And that... There's the guy who thinks that a balance patch is coming out in the next like, yeah. two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I said I bet on it, right? I said that, uh, <laughs> you know, betting. I, I can be bad at betting. That is allowed. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I think that people just need to be playing the game. And if, if anything, what's what it tells me is, if it's stale for you, play something else. Play like a different faction or something. Um, play an ELO tournament. Yeah, play an ELO tournament. Why not? That's the whole point of them. Um, it's not just because the balance is... They don't have... Balance doesn't have to be bad for you to play an ELO tournament. In fact, ELO is worse if the balance is bad because circle 1.6, you pick Tywin. <laughs> uh, you know. So, uh, yeah. Play, play ELO tournaments. Really, you know, mix it up. But just play different factions, especially if you've got TTS. The option to play a different faction is piss easy. Uh, and if you're physical, you know, a lot of people will have more than one army. And if you don't, I I was not going to lie. I was going to go to uh, the club the other day. And I said to Dan after we played our game on Friday, I was like, Dan, we should probably like, we should probably swap armies and play the other way. And he was like, yeah, maybe, you know, it, we don't have to record it necessarily if he doesn't want to. Um Especially for Dan, you know, learning a learning how a whole new faction works in one game is not going to work. Um, but doing things like that, I think, is really good. You know, we've said it before that one of the true hallmarks of skill and one of the things that we think would have been amazing at stats, and we never really pushed it. I think we should, Carlo. But the stat does, the site doesn't really allow it. Ironically, is a list swap event where you play each other twice. And you swap you swap list pairs for the game. Uh, you play each other once. Entire thing, and then nobody seemed interested. Yeah, exactly. Is it? It's not in here anymore, right? Uh, or is it still? It works? is. Yeah. It actually exists. You just can't select it. <sighs> Honestly, I really want to see it. I want to see it play because I really think that that from an event is got to be the next space. Yes, it's two games, but with the advent of clocks now and people saying two-hour games. You could have a two-hour, you could have a two-week round, two games in two weeks, just the same as any other event, and do a list swap, play your opponent's army, then play your lists, then, you know, play your own list against their lists. Um, 
I think that will be the way to go for another event on TTS. I think that's really interesting. It's why I created it. But actually, I believe that you're proposing it because of the way that the community complain about balance. I'm proposing it because I actually think I prefer it. I, I think it makes an interesting game. I think it will somewhat sate people because they're complaining about balance, yes. I would want to play it myself, regardless of the balance. I don't know if other pay people playing it would make them realise that the balance isn't as bad as they think. So, yeah. I'm proposing I mean, it I for definitely the wrong reasons. I think it's good format, because yeah. you know, I've always said don't complain about a faction unless you play it. You know, like a faction, all factions feel different to pilot than they do to play. Mm-hmm. Um, to play against, sorry, it's very different to pilot a faction than it is to play against a faction. Um, you walk into other factions' strengths, you'll only ever see its strengths. When you play it, you suddenly understand all its weaknesses and the things that you can't do or the things that your opponent doesn't allow you to do. Yep. Um, I mean, that that is, Ilya's that. Ilya, that's like the reason why I never really pushed it is that I believe that, like, I think that it can be. It, it, it's a punishing format. It's it, oh, it's yeah. it's a format that favors good players, like just just simple good players, people who understand the game well, can play the game well, and understand both lists rather than under, only understanding their own faction. Um, and 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 I've always built everything about the game and the site and the way I play the game around that philosophy. But I've I've come more and more and more to terms with the fact that lots of other people don't think that way and they um and they and they're very scared of this idea of actually finding out how good they are at the game. They they and the more that they find out that they're not as good at the game as they thought they were, the more they lash out about the game itself rather than like looking introspectively at how they could be better guilty just as much as anyone else um yeah guilty on some days this guy too never Never. See, that's how big Carlos Ego is. <laughs> he can he can say everyone does it, and then and then, but I don't. Um, no, uh, no, you know we all do it. I think to some extent it's human. It's human to to try and not admit your failings. Um, no, I think it's actually uh, you know one of the things that I'm one of the things I'm having difficulty coming to terms with at the moment is is that um, I'm struggling to win as much as I used to, the more and more balanced the game becomes. Which shows that more and more thing that I'm good at is analysing the game and putting together absolutely busted as fuck power lists. Which I never said I you know, I never said I wasn't doing. I, I take a I take a faction and I and I and I try and push it as far as it can go but brings into perspective that the actual playing of the game, the actual moving of the unit, I'm not number one at. 
like I'm not that that's not what I'm best at that's not what I am really good at what I'm really good at is turning up to the game having already won the game because my list is better than yours and then, then, then you turn up to a game where you haven't done that and you go to the table and someone says by the way what you're running is shit <laughs> and you're like fuck <laughs> Yeah, and so and so the more the more as I, more I explore various factions, the more the more and more balanced the game is, the less the less chances there are for me to exploit something that my opponent a mistake that my opponent has made in list building, mm-hmm. because there are less obvious just terrible choices to make in list building, and there are less really specific ways to just like win the game in the list building phase. Um, the less the less competitive success I have. Obviously, you know, measured against a pretty high bar, which is like, I, I want and expect to win every single tournament that I enter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm not even in top 10 at the moment. Definitely not top 8. No, not on the front. Not on the front page, right? That's that's where it's at. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, on that news, we'll actually go dive into tournaments and what's coming up and things like that. But I did say there were some announcements. Two announcements. The first one, tickets have been closed for the LGT. There is a waiting list if you want a ticket to get to the LGT. There is now a waiting list. As of the last update of said waiting list, I believe there is a huge number of players. I'll, uh, I'll get this number up. Yes, three three players currently on the waiting list so if you get in now obviously there won't be you hopefully you know with what we're expecting dropout rates to be and things like that um you'll probably get in um but you know that that list will grow uh probably in due course at least to you know i'm not expecting there to be a huge waiting list to be honest but it wouldn't surprise me if you get somewhere in the in the scope of 10 to 15 at some point mm-hmm. um before tickets get moved on and other things come up because life's a bitch um so that's happening and the second thing which is infinitely more important is that the news was last week um for those of you who are in Europe, and it's fantastic for me, which is why I wanted to share it today. Uh, Chris Tran, Sunday Slaughter himself, uh, is going to be making the trip over from the US to come to the London Grand Tournament. Uh, I, I, I literally don't care what he brings, what he plays, how good, like how he ends up being. I don't care. I'm just very happy to be able to actually finally go to an event uh, and meet the man. Um, Carlo, you're obviously going to be over the moon as well because I know that you're missing him in Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Sunday Slaughter, Chris Tran, uh, who is a massive friend of the channel, a uh, friend of a lot of stuff that he's done. I mean, look at the stuff he's produced, right? He's he's a legend. Um, he's going to be over, and I can't believe that on a Friday, Saturday night, I'm going to be able to have a sit-down actual chat with him and have a drink and have a beer and get pissed. And... Uh, and Carlo's going to measure his muscles against him. <laughs> <laughs> and come off very badly. Uh, I might beat him in. I might. I might beat someone in the height department, though. So you know. Uh, eh, eh, I was going to. Uh, <laughs> mm, I think you're hoping a lot there, Mickey. I am hoping a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's... he looks short by comparison to Bob and Brett, who are in the six foot four category or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I, I look short compared to you, though, and you're in the six foot. 
20 category that's how it works right i can just do that make up numbers uh, <laughs> um yeah no i'm really i'm really hyped um I really... yeah i mean i believe i haven't actually double confirmed with him but i did see that over the weekend and uh i'm pretty sure that means that he will be taking up his spot at the invitational yeah uh which he um obviously qualified through winning uh the gamers haven um tournament some time back um so there will be a at least one na player in the invitational representing the whole hopes and dreams of a continent uh much as it much as it seems I might be at Gen Con, mm-hmm. uh, hopes and dreams of Europe. I, I mean, I really hope that there are some other Europeans going. <laughs> it would uh, yeah. would take a bit of pressure off. Um, but yeah, I think that um, we'll, we'll see him in the Invitational. We'll hopefully get lots of recorded games out of that. And uh, and everybody will be get to see him in the main event as well. Um, and uh, and yeah, I can't, I can't wait to meet him myself. Yeah. No, just being, uh, like, again, someone I've played against on TTS plenty of times. Uh... Be nice to actually have. I said it true of all the guys in the UK as well. Said it true of all the international players, um, but certainly Chris because we've worked with him on various different projects and stuff in the past. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm I'm really stoked. Stoked now. I'm I'm really happy. Um, so uh, other winners have been up there just on on the screen there. So we had things like Rutilisk winning uh, with his Lancers over the weekend. We had some Targaryens and Baratheons winning games. Uh, a lot of Targaryen winners in the last kind of couple of weeks um, in various different small events through to larger ones, uh, which is good to see as well. Um, so let's dive into the upcoming tournaments. Map still there, still doing well in, you know, Europe. Still got our little little dot out there in uh, Australia that's going to happen. Oh, look. Ah, ah. Oh, no, that's that's Australia the other way around. <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> that's that's how a globe works. <laughs> Oh dear. This is why I hide the map, because I'm an idiot sometimes. Uh, right, anyway. Um, this week we have coming up uh, a TTS event in Leipzig, uh, Germany. We have uh, a TTS Cup. Yes. Mm, interesting. They're playing a TTS event. One day. Is that the one day event that they're doing, like hosting online, but. I'm not sure. Not sure. Ah, yes, like a German. Yeah, so they did this before. Uh, they ran like a TTS event, but did it online in a day. Uh, I believe that that's what they're going for again uh, for German players, basically. Um, uh, Stephen uh, says Poland. Yes, probably Poland. In fact, Lord War Factor Grand Tournament, Poland <laughs> in Warsaw. There's a 36 player event that they uh, have max players there for. Um, that as. Wow! Holy shit! And that that is a lot of plays. That's I was just about to say. Like that's interesting that they have listed thirty-eight players because what seems to be the consistent thing about Poland is that they run ten, twelve, fourteen at most player tournaments consistently. To see them all turn up in one place is very rare, and uh, that looks very interesting. Yes, so I actually do know about this event now that it's now that it's kind of like um, triggered my memory. Uh, this event, although it doesn't say it, is basically Polish nationals. This is this is basically um, the Polish nationals that is happening, but it's not Polish nationals, right? This is the. Do you know who runs it? Do you know who's running it? I don't know. 
um, there's this event, and if we go back, there is actually um, much later on in the year Warsaw National, I believe, which is the Polish national event, um, which I know that Peter has a place in running, I believe. Um, but this event is basically running up to what is going to be the biggest event, I think, in Poland. Um, as of yet that we've seen. Um, I'll have to reach out and we may well have another Polish Invitational invite going out to this event. Uh, I, I think that it ticks all the right boxes for that, so hopefully, hopefully we can get in touch and, um, yeah. and find our winner of that. Yeah. Um, actually, actually I, I can confirm, actually, can confirm. I was not getting the two confused. This is the Polish national event. This is Polish GT, for want of a better term. So yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. It's nice to see that they've got 18 players signed up already. It's fantastic to see, like, I'm, 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 can't, I'm not just going to count them here, but there's comfortably another 15, 16 players there, so that yeah. they're going to hit that 36 almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed. Um, that is going to... Watch that one this weekend, guys. That one's going to be one to watch for this weekend and follow along. Um, Any predictions? I mean, I'd be stupid not to say. Let's let's have a look who's already kind of going along. Um, Peter, Blood Ravens, Schuster. Schuster, Blood Raven, they're probably in with. Uh, Blood Raven's not competitive, he won't win. Schuster's <laughs> uh, probably not like probably not a terrible shout. Um, the names I recognise instantly. Lubavisk. Lubavisk. Yeah. Um. Maybe it's a look on the if these the guys. Yeah. Masara, Swavek, Marcin. I believe Marcin's done some stuff before. It's a name I remember. Um. Yeah, I mean those are the names I remember. Doesn't necessarily could be anybody, right? Could be anybody. Yeah. Good luck um, to all the entrants. Looks like a really really good event. Chesik, he he did quite well in an online event recently, actually. And I'm going to back him, regardless, although Team Pivnica is a uh, hashtag Team Pivnica. Special place in my heart for that that little hashtag there. Um, but Chesik uh, with It's Morbin Time, that guy knows how to meme. And a, a meme lord is always worth backing, right? Uh, yes, he wants, he wants Morbius to be released for a third time for box office failings yet again. Um, so uh, we've also got another event happening in St. Petersburg. Um, in Russia, uh, which is 16 players, which I really hope goes ahead. Um, it's good to see. It's really good to see that the Russian, yes, so there's players, Sigwolf and things like that. It's good to see that the Russian t scene is still going, uh, even though we are getting less information out of Russia, of course. Um, but it is good to see that it is still running. Uh, and I know some of the players still participate in discords and stuff like that. That's fantastic. Um, there's the 50-point Cerberus event that the Fabricators Forge guys are doing. They've been doing a lot of practice and list building for that at 50 points. Um, that is actually quite a popular... Fabricators Forge is a popular place. Uh, not far from Gamers Haven. Um, kind of like the next state along. Um, and they're currently... I wonder how many players... They've got three in the waiting list. They'll have way more than that on the day. They'll have something like probably 20-odd players at minimum. Uh, I'd have thought. So I really hope the Fabricators uh, Forge event goes through really well um, with their three list builds. We've also got a battle at the Chituniga... 
Chattanooga Valley. God, I can't talk sometimes. Uh, happening in Tennessee uh, next week as well this week. Uh, see, I don't know how many players are signed up for that one, but 32 players maximum. Currently four, but it's our red letter Collins and John's. Uh, Colin Kloss has run the event around that region not too long ago. So that will probably get a lot more players closer to the time. Have they, have they already run uh, a national qualifier, or do we think that this is a national qualifier? I or? believe Colin won the national qualifier the other week, right, with the one that he did the nice uh, Golden Dragon for mm -hmm. that he actually mm -hmm. won. I believe that was the national qualifier that was kind of semi-being run by him, um, okay. or he was involved with the help of running it. Um, it's an hour and a half drive from the Haven. Yeah, so really not far, um, which is good. Uh, we got off the wall games happening as well. So the off the wall games is uh, happening in Massachusetts, in Hadley. Um, so I wish wish that well as well. Uh, and that's all for next week. We've all oh, we've also got uh, starting up. No, it's not all that week. Oh, wow, we've got another TTS North American Invitational happening starting next week. Um, mm -hmm. So we can expect probably a roughly similar number of players at the 26 we just saw from the other one finish. Uh, assuming all players go over, which isn't true, but dropouts and new players. Uh, this one's using clocks. Um, uh, the two-hour clock thing that the overclock event that Lockerbie was running. Uh, so that might be popular. We'll see how that one kind of comes out. Um, we've got another event in Poland happening on Sunday. I'm going to throw that out there. That's happening in Poznan. That's probably not going to have a huge number of players at it. Unless the Warsaw one is just one day. Yeah, no, I, Warsaw could be one day, actually. Yeah, it's possible. There's definitely uh, that, that May date definitely looks suspect as it uh, yeah. ends in May. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, it could be people just go mental and play uh, Warsaw and then nip over to uh, Poznan for the next day. Um, we've then got... Uh, the watch begins a 30 point yes 30 point starter box tournament happening in texas 10 players love these little events that come up um starter events we've seen popular get people into the game they grow the community and that's what we like to see i hope that one goes really well we've got another event happening at, in tennessee the battle at the f battle at the foot old black mountain doesn't feel like it should say that. that that's just horrible to read <laughs> um but yeah that's another event happening uh, in this weekend flayed man fray at dreadfoot dallas which i'm guessing is happening in texas <laughs> we've got uh that's it for next till next week we've got another a, a league happening in france the week after bloody hell what one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven events Yet again. I think that the US scene is um, is really starting to kick off and really starting to flourish. I'm not sure whether or not that's um, higher interactivity with the site, you know, and that the scene was always there, or if it's them really, you know, coming back to the game after COVID, or, you know, there is a real chance that this is a success story of the way that they've decided to run US national qualifiers, and that this has really prompted maybe maybe scenes that already existed and stores that already were interested in the game to like effectively just commit a little bit harder to the game a game that could be just you know get get involved in the community in a wider sense get involved with stats when they were already running events 
or just taking that push to turn their regular weeknight gaming into, oh, we're also going to run a tournament this weekend. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm really pleased with uh, how the US scene is, is flourishing and growing. Um, I've, always, um, I've always thought that there, that there should be much more activity there. Uh, based on like how much we see across Europe and uh, and, and and how much um, you know how how, how dedicated C one are to the US, so uh, I think it's really really good that we're seeing a response in like the games played and the uh, and the kind of interactions on that side. So mm-hmm. really positive to see. Yeah, uh, Suster there just in chat confirming that the Warsaw is to uh, the Sunday event in Poznan. See how many players make it across. Um, yeah, no, and it's great. it's great to see the US, uh, the US kind of like spark up and get some real, uh, real kind of effectively attention. It's it's not really why stats was built, but it's part of the reason why stats is the way it is, is because actually it's got nothing to do with us taking data from those events and nothing to do with us being able to analyze them or anything like that and say, look, this is good, this player is good or bad. We don't give a shit about how good or bad a player is really, like. We've got personal opinions on every player. There are people in the top eight that Carlo and me look at and go, God, they're crap uh, at different times. And there are players who are, yeah, me, exactly. Um, There are players who are not in the top eight who are like, oh my God, that player is really good. Um, You know, that's just opinion, right? That's not what the site's really, really, really for. Um, It's for growing community. And seeing communities and bringing people together, that's where it has led us to. And it is fantastic to see 11 events again running on the site, bringing people together, you know, people using it. Um, I really hope it keeps going from strength to strength. Reminder that you can hit all of those amazing buttons on our website, or on Carla's website, I should say, uh, to join as a patron. That's uh, just a patron. Patron. There you go. There's my pushing for the day. Done. Um... Right, next week uh, we will be back with some other things and and stuff and things um, in the lead up to some you know end of end of uh, an era, end of a decade, end of a uh, end of a year, uh, like review and see where we're at. But before we go, it would not be Tawny Grounds with Carlo's literal favourite thing of the week. Carlo, are you willing to see some models? got a collection to show you today so we've got here a night's watch stone thrower moved away from the traditional black uh drab and the snow terrain um what do you think yeah, it's very 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 summery colorful base is that um is that the normal crew i don't I... know it might be is that, is that guy I'm, I'm never sure whether or not that guy is part of it i've actually almost never seen the stone thrower on the actual table so i'm not even sure if this model's converted or not <laughs> i actually don't know so there you go um if it is I, I think it could be i think it could be but it's so rarely so rarely painted so rarely built so rarely on the table that um yeah i actually can't be sure but uh it is nice it's uh it's uh quite a separation from usual color scheme for the night's watch so very interesting We've got this boy as well. This is a this is a Night's Watch Wash Marshal, um, done again away from the traditional black garb, and it's moved towards like you're starting to see his green and uh, green and yellow checker with like a, a, the blue cape. Um, yeah, 
I, th I, th I think the horse has very, very nice subtle colouring on it. I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, I think that's a very, very high quality horse. Yeah. We've got Cold Hands, this time done with the, the Elk in Blue. Uh, moving um, away no. again, away from the uh, traditional colour systems that people use. And Cold Hands going for that brown. It's, um, yeah, it's very, uh, it's very stylized. It's very, very interesting style. I really like but, the horns. The horns, yeah. I think they, they might the even be slightly bronzy. Very, very deep, goldeny bronze color. It's yeah. very nice, very nice brown technique. Um, moving on, we've got our. Uh, I don't. Who's this? Corin Halfhand. It might be Corin Halfhand. Honestly, uh, I don't know. That's bad that I don't know. I don't know the models that well. No, the stats don't know the models. Sadness. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm sure that that's half hand, and he has two fingers missing off of his right hand. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Corin. So uh, next up, we've got uh, Vargo Hote. Look at that bad boy. Some a painted Vargo Hote that might even be worth a point. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, no, it's not worth a point, right? You do it for uh, you do it for uh, Commander, right? In the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're going to keep going anyway. We're going to keep going. We've got plenty more to get through. Got this here, a Donald Noy again, sporting that, uh, sporting that green and yellow checker, and the blue, uh, the blue cape. And that's a lot of work for a very, uh, very non-canon color scheme. It's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. We keep going, Offal. Look at the, the great <laughs> green and yellow on the Offal there. Oh. Basically, um, uh, Sterling Empire Army. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, you got the master builder there. Look at that. I, I love the blue cape there. A master builder looks so much better when he's not in black and grey. He's such a great model. Um, true, yeah. True. Uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. We've got our. Uh, is this? Who's that one? I think that's Watch Captain out of. And isn't that Watch Captain? Is that one? Is pointing off in the distance? Uh, Trying to think who this might be. That even just a veteran of the watch it might well be god we don't know our night's watch models do we jesus this is bad the problem is the problem is it's basically the only in-person night's watch models that i ever see are dan's and they are all converted so i don't actually know what original models look like anymore it is true it is true um we'll keep going we've got this guy ah oh, he's just a sworn brother yeah he's a sworn brother but he looks a little bit like great john veteran of the watch. yeah uh We'll keep going, we'll keep going. We've got uh, this bloke here. That's Bowen? Bowen Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll keep going, keep going. This is a, a, a Bolton Bastard girl. Bolton girl. Who, uh, who's been painted up in uh, the red and white of almost a Canadian look. I, I, was, I was actually going to go Polish. Oh, Polish, Polish, okay. He's almost got like, um, like the red Teutonic cross on his chest. Yeah. Uh, I... I quite like that colour scheme. I like the red bordering. Uh, it's worked quite well. Um, and we've got this, the, the mountain here, the new mountain. A new mountain. Um, we'll give you the two angles of there. There you go. bit uh, orange for my taste, but uh, it is a nice deep orange. I quite like well. I, I quite like the difference. Um, these are these were painted up. Uh, there's like alternative. You can tell that the mountain's not quite finished here. But these were painted up as an alternative colour scheme. The Night's Watch, uh, he actually... As someone said in chat, Goose said, more like the lights watch 
Am I right? That is exactly the color scheme he went for. Uh, he went for what he refers to as his own lights watch uh, color scheme um, or the day watch. Uh, you know, so yeah, he went for, for day watch color scheme. And I think it really worked um, on the night's watch. I really quite like the green and yellow choice uh, and the blue is a nice, is a nice contrast. So um, Carlo, all of that, what do we get? I mean, Vago Vago almost swung it for me, but we're we're we're, we're going to stay solid with our zero out of ten. Uh, I, I I do like it though. It's uh, it's very unique and interesting take, and uh, I really like the stylized cold hands, mm-hmm. particularly more than anybody else. But they all have a very strong color style to them, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's pretty well done. Yeah, yeah, no, really well done. Um... It's certainly an army that I would look across the table if someone wants to put a Night's Watch army across the table. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's Night's Watch. I'd have to take like the double take. And then I'd look at it and think, actually, I quite like that. It beats the blacks and things like that that we see. Uh, the black capes and the black robes and everything like that uh, that we see. I realized that was a terrible thing to say. I apologize. <laughs> um, but the black, the black well, color scheme that we see on uh, a Night's Watch typically. Uh, so I do think it is it is a good thing. Um, so yeah, uh, these were, as I say, painted up by uh, Evan, uh, Evan, one of our patrons at MCXL, who, uh, who did a nice little showcase for me yesterday, because he said, can you believe this, right, Carlo? Where he plays up, uh, he his community, um, he's one of the only people with painted armies. I can absolutely believe that. Yep. But it, it just yeah, goes to show that in a particular area of the US where he's playing, he's not necessarily playing war gamers like who are hobbyists. He's playing more of the board game style or like alternative game rules, perhaps, players who are less interested mm-hmm. in the hobby side of the game. Um, not to say uninterested, but just less inclined by it. Um, so there you go. I mean, it's great. More than half the armies that I face are unpainted in general, so you know I, I find it not not surprising or uncommon. No, true. Anyway, there we go. Thank you very much, Evan, for for those lovely images. And I do I do really like the color scheme. Yeah, they are nice. A nice, very very bold color scheme and good follow through on it. Mm-hmm. So we will uh, leave this episode here. Um, we are. One episode closer to 100. We're one episode closer for Carlo for being away sometime. God, I can't wait till Carlo's away for some time. Um, we are still some way off 1,000 subscribers. We need a grand total of 31 more to force me into making a new intro. I, I don't just get to do it off my own back. Um, yeah, uh, we, you know, keep pushing that, keep pushing that subscribe, keep pushing those like buttons, all of those kind of YouTube things that we say, or podcast things that we also say on podcasts, get more people to follow along, all those all those things that you we'll say make you remember to make a podcast hey hey i i yeah i did forget last week i put them out late oh no i, I was on time last week it was the week before i wasn't i can't remember um we also did reach a milestone two weeks ago which i forgot to mention we've gone over seventy-five thousand views there we go wow little things like that that keep you going uh but anyway we do appreciate everyone who watches and listens in any final thoughts carlo uh, no, just those things that I was going to say. I guess 
thanks to all the patrons they've been asking for some things and they are um yeah let's just say i'm trying to i'm trying to carve out some time for them but it's going to be a while it won't happen until i come back from the us but you know i am i am working on some grand ideas of I guess it probably be site 3.0 at this point. There was uh, there was basically a 2.0 where we kind of like redid redid everything. Uh, in terms of look, there's no, going to be no real massive change um, in terms of the functionality. No no big reset. No nothing like that. But, you know, a real big redesign. And I might even maybe we're super lucky make it not be terrible on phones. Ah no, nah, don't believe that. Don't believe that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, well, we'll, how, we'll see how it all pans out. Um, and uh, we will see you next week, I guess. Yeah. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye.